Hey, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Ice Cream Parlor, the podcast. I'm Heidi. And I'm Stefan. And this is the podcast <laughs> where we watch horror movies and talk about them. Usually, Heidi likes to take the lead, but today she's just staring at me. You're topless. <laughs> I thought I'd do it like you. <laughs> Don't tell everybody I do podcasts topless. It gets hot in here. <laughs> Okay, so what's new? Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross, man boobs. I mean, those aren't new. <laughs> no, but they're gross. But they're always real. That they are. No, actually, probably not, because I think men get, um, there's some men who get. Breast implants? Yeah, I think so. Like, not to make them look like, but like to make them look muscular. I could be wrong. It's like not, just pec implants? Yeah, yeah. It's not something I have any expertise in at all, but I believe that is a thing. Okay. Well, so what's up? So what's up? I don't know. Gunshots? Right. Bullets so ringing out? I was raised in South Central. I now live in Inglewood. And a game that a few of us play here is Gunshots or Fireworks. And it is a game you usually play around New Year and around the 4th of July. Gunshots or fireworks. or fireworks. Either way, the dogs go crazy. <laughs> yeah, that they do. Well, um, were they gunshots or were they fireworks? They were fireworks. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're good. Yep. So how's it going? What's up with you? Um, let's see. What's new? Um, I've just been working. Now you're starting to sound like me. What are you going to do? <laughs> All right. Well... Yeah, I mean, is there anything to talk about? <laughs> I don't know. We've been seeing each other too often these days, I think. Yeah, I should probably just get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, we should take a break. Like, take a couple weeks off. We need a separation. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know. I, nothing's coming to mind because the only thing I'm thinking about is this movie that we're going to watch this week. That's a good transition. Five up top. Five below. Five alive. Five Alive? What's that? It was a drink that we used to get back in the days. It was like a... Not a Florida thing. No, not a Florida thing, actually. It was like a New England thing, although I think I did find it once or twice in Florida, but it was... Were you like six when you lived in New England? I was born, and then I moved there out of there when I was like 11, maybe. So what's Five Alive? Like a non-alcoholic drink? Yeah, it's like a juice that you get in a carton. Like, you know how you get Minute Maid Fruit Punch? It was like pineapple, mm -hmm. orange, kind of tropical, um, I from no what idea. I remember. Yeah, Five Alive. It came in a carton, like a tall quart like carton. Like a juice box. No, not juice box. Like how you buy milk in a quart uh, size okay. thing. Yeah. And you had to rip and fold it like how you, like they didn't have like the screw. school milk? Yeah, we didn't have the screw top back then, remember? I hated school milk. I, actually, I love the school chalupas. We did not have chalupas at school. I thought that was only a Taco Bell thing. No, they appropriated it. Really? What's a gordita then? A fat girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, okay. It's a Taco Bell appropriated that too. <laughs> I don't know. I think gordita is like a Mexican dish. But I saw um, some video on the internet once where it was like, Me Mexican people eating Taco Bell and they were like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't like Taco Bell. <laughs> I like Del Taco, but mostly for the fries. I like Del Taco French fries. Those are just like 
shit you find in Walmart. They're just like the they're school fries. That's what but they are. I don't they're have like to the make them. Yeah, but they're not like the good fries though. They're not like I don't know. I Which like ones season, are good fries? I like seasoned fries, home fries. I like potato, big ones, potato wedges. Yeah, those. Um, not like fat fries. Sort of. I don't. I'll tell you this. I don't like the In-N-Out fries that much at all. I know. That's one thing for sure. And I don't like McDonald's fries either, where all these people have some sort of like... I used to love McDonald's fries. I know. But then they took like like the cancer generating (laughs) substance out of them and now they're gross. I just don't understand it. People are like, McDonald's has the best fries. I think they don't. They never did. They're shitty. They're nasty. They're greasy. They're oily and they're fucking too salty. Fuck McDonald's french fries. (laughs) <laughs> I said it. <laughs> you know who has the best fries? Who? My favorite burger place in El Segundo. Hop Dottie. They have these buffalo buffalo french fries. And they're just like shoestring fries. You know, like the really skinny ones. But they have like buffalo sauce on them. And then they have crumbles of blue cheese on them. Those are some good fucking fries. That's fair to say. But that's also not fast food. So All right. So fast food fries. I like a fat burger. Mm, They have the fat fries. They do have fat fries and they have skinny fries. Mm -hmm. But actually, now that I think about it, push comes to shove. You're just not a fry person. Well, I almost would prefer curly fries. Um, Yeah, curly fries are good. I mean, I I guess those... Like from Jack in the Box? Yeah, but I I don't think Jack in the Box does them as well as whoever else does curly fries. Where else? I mean... That's the only place I ever get curly fries. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think now, too. I feel like that there's other places, but I haven't been eating at them in a long time. So I don't I don't really remember. I try not to eat a lot of fast food, so I don't really know a lot of curly fries. If I do get fast food, it's like it's in and out or Wendy's. Wendy's is pretty good. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't like any fast food company's fries. (laughs) They all suck. I don't know why we eat that bullshit. I don't know how we ended up talking about fries. Because, uh, I don't know, we didn't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, let's just get into this. What's the movie this week? You picked it. You tell me, bruh. Oh. Oh, actually, no, I think I picked it. Yeah, I right. didn't pick the so, movie. <laughs> the last couple the ones thing. I picked, we didn't watch. When I went to Chicago mm-hmm. last time, um, the last time I was in Chicago... I was talking to them about my podcast, and this one guy who you would think would never be into horror movies was like, you need to watch Poltergeist. <laughs> and I'm like, why? He's like, it's the best horror movie ever. And I'm like, well, I've never seen it before. And so every week since uh, I've I ha- since I've seen him, I think he texts me and is like, so have you watched Poltergeist yet? And I haven't. And I've never seen Poltergeist before. And you know why I've never seen Poltergeist before? Because you're afraid of ghosts. Well, yes, that. But also because it was always on TV. Yeah. And I always thought, I don't want to watch a scary movie that was on TV. You know, I feel like that's how I've watched it is on TV. And I have seen it a few times. I don't remember if I've ever seen it all the way through. I definitely don't remember it in my head at this point in time um, without watching it again. But I know I've seen it. I kind of remember this creepy, weird old lady. And I remember the tv and the static and the white noise and something like that but um but yeah i i feel like i've only watched it on tv and it was probably when i was younger as a kid so you know i was a little bit more scared as a kid about about certain topics and stuff like but now as an adult this shit doesn't scare me at all well um 
I, I never wanted to watch it. Perhaps it's because it was just a haunting or a haunted house or whatever movie. But um, I didn't feel drawn to it, so I haven't watched it. Okay, cool. Well, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong. All right, well, we will see. Do you know anything about the movie going into it? There's a little creepy girl, right? She's the one that says, we're uh, there. We're here. They're here. They're here. Here's they're here. Like um, I know that it is directed by Toby Hooper. All right. Toby Hooper. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about. Um, you know Toby Hooper is? Yeah. He's the guy that we were talking about like a couple episodes ago. I think he did that one movie. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> Your favorite movie of all time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he also directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Absolutely. Okay. That's well, all I know. Okay. And Steven Spielberg, like, wrote it or something? I think... It's a Spielberg movie. I believe it is more his movie. So, I did a little research on it. And what I what I found out was that... So, this was in 1982. And at the same time, Steven Spielberg was also doing E.T., he literally released both movies about, I think, this almost one week apart from one another. I was released in that year, too. You were? You were released from the womb? <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you that I was born in a waiting room? Nope. But you just told everybody how old you are and that you were born in a waiting room. <laughs> I love that you have no shame. Shit, I'll go topless. <laughs> One topless person at a time, please. Um, but so really what I think what happened was, and I'm not downplaying Toby Hooper, but I think he kind of got signed on because there was some sort of ruling on that Steven Spielberg could only direct one major release or something at a time. So he basically brought on Toby Hooper because he liked him in the Texas Chainsaw, I mean, his work on Texas Chainsaw Massacre so much. That well, he, duh. Right. So that's why Steven Spielberg brought him on. I think that they both um, worked together a little bit on the story or something like that. But from what I've read, I think Toby Hooper didn't put up much of a fight on having to do it his way. He kind of just was there and just did what Spielberg said. And yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Well, you were waving at me. Go ahead. What do you want to say? I was waving. I was actually scratching my face. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not trying to downplay Toby Hooper, but I think he was just playing riding shotgun on Spielberg's second movie, which I that's kind of a big feat to release two movies in one week from one another. Hell yeah, we can't even release two episodes a week. Yeah, and I, I think also. So this movie's rated fucking PG, believe it or not. As mm. For being one of these, whatever your buddy called it, or one of the best horror movies of all time, which I don't know if I agree with that, but it's rated PG. That surprised me. So, But then I was thinking about it, so was E.T. And I think what he did was he made sure that he could get both audiences into the movie and not have one be rated R. Actually, funny enough, Jaws, which is a Spielberg movie, was also PG, and that scared the really? shit out of people. Jesus, sorry. All that blood and shit, Jaws is PG. All the time I'm right, I don't throw it in your face. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that it, it, it was one of those things. Spielberg, Lucas, you know, those guys were 
you know, making movies, but they were also trying to make movies for the masses and into, you know, not following the Hollywood direction per se at the time. But anyways, that's, that's what I kind of read up on before we watched it. So it's a haunted house movie. Well, it's a poltergeist and I don't, I so forget. a poltergeist is what, like a demon yeah, it's, it's or something? Some sort of, um, like a ghost. I think it translates to something in German. I forgot exactly the translation, but I believe it means something like a noisy ghost or something like that. Okay. So, it's is it like the changeling? Hmm. Without seeing it again, I'm not sure, but the idea of it being the house and a ghost in the house and an entity possibly similar to that. Because the changeling is supposed to be one of the best haunted house movies of all time. Mhm. Right. So, and this is supposed to be, this I did see on some lists, you know, when we were doing research to first start the podcast, this movie, Poltergeist, was on every list for horror movies. Well, I do think that this is also one of those movies that's quote unquote cursed because I think like Great, so what, my ceiling's going to fall in? (laughs) I don't know, like the omen, I don't know. But I guess apparently cast members, like four of them or so, well, I don't know. That, I think, is over the course of all three or four movies, whatever. But particularly this one, the I think the older sister. Okay. Yeah, she was, like, murdered by, excuse me, she was murdered by her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend or whatever, like, the year the movie came out. And then I think the girl who is in the sequels, the little the young girl, is... Um, she died at like the age of 12 or something like that too. That is fucked. Yeah. I don't know who any of these characters are though. So you'll have to remind me when we have yeah. to watch it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't remember it either, but um, that's all I really remember about the movie thus far. So the curse mm-hmm. um, that there was like a ghost or a poltergeist. Yeah. And a creepy old lady. And a creepy old lady. And that should do it. Um, yeah, that, that's enough to start off with. I mean, it's Spielberg and Hooper together. It's, you know, um, 1980s, early 80s. So the times are different. So it should so be fun to are watch. are all the men wearing booty shorts? Maybe. that's exciting. M- maybe. They also might be total creepers too, because that was a that's thing back in the 80s. <laughs> probably a given. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> so, all right, let's go watch this thing. Let's go get popcorn popping. Let's go. Is this on Netflix or is this on Amazon? Do you know? So, are we watching it for free? We can buy it on Amazon uh-huh. Prime. You can rent it or buy it, but it's actually on Netflix, Netflix now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to watch it for free, go to Netflix. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So, we will be right back. looks just like the one next to it and the one next to that and the one next to that a young couple live in it give Ken a kiss <laughs> you are so obnoxious with their three children <laughs> and something Here. 
you said you're here. Uh-huh. Well, who did you mean? Who's here? TV people. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately. What kind of disturbances? <laughs> we're back well that was a good movie i thought what did you think of it i fucking loved it did you i fucking loved it it was so good (laughs) like and you know i love scary movies for all these different reasons like i love slasher films because of you know the the real beast that is the man and i love whatever movies for whatever reasons but mostly it comes down to the humanity of it and how real it gets. And this movie, even though it's goats and all oh, these things are coming after me and this tree ain't my kid. It's a lot of real reactions, real feelings and real emotions. And these actors were all fucking amazing because you could feel everything. Like I fucking got teary eyed in this movie. It was so good. Okay. And that's the episode. See you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought that, you know, it was definitely, um, it was better than I was expecting for it to be after, you know, watching it years and years ago and only rewatching it now. And also maybe, you know, I, I, I guess seeing it on TV being a PG movie, it's not like they cut out a whole bunch of stuff. So it seems like it had all of its parts and pieces. I don't know. I just think that it was good. It was Spielberg. I mean, come on. He's done Back to the Future and Indiana Jones and so many other good movies. It was really good. I really enjoyed this movie. Awesome. Well, tell me what you enjoyed about it. Oh, shit. Okay. I enjoyed the family dynamics. Mm -hmm. I I really loved the relationship between the husband and the wife. (laughs) They were very progressive for 1982, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then I really loved um, the, the older daughter. She's like a throwaway character. But her moments are fucking gold. Yeah. She's, like, she's like the comedic relief. Yeah. She, um, yeah little, she's not in it a whole lot. But, no. Yeah. The little girl, um, super fucking creepy. Um, think so? But also fucking adorable as shit. Like, she was so cute. You just wanted to hold her. I didn't think she was creepy. Like, she didn't act creepy. She no, just... no. She didn't act creepy. 
Um, I guess the way that she reacted to the possessions or whatever, the poltergeist, uh, that was fucking creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Because she was not, she was kind of, she played into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, that dog was in a good boy. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not, a good not boy. like uh, some of the other dogs in these other like episodes my, we've watched. Like of all of the movies that we've watched so far, the best dog has been Beast from the Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. But, <laughs> He's uh, the goodest of all boys. This dog also had the craziest name. I mean, I I guess E-Buzz? his name is E-Buzz. Do you even get it? Like, what the hell is E period Buzz? Who names their dog that? These people. I'm thinking that there maybe there's some inside hidden joke that we haven't got. Some sort of like, because what I did know is that Steven Spielberg really uh, helped play up his buddy George Lucas's franchise. Yeah, so the kids' rooms were so... Okay, well, so... <laughs> so you want to start at the beginning and start breaking it down? Let's start at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's a very good place to start, according to Fräulein Maria from The Sound of Music. All right, so... Poltergeist from 1982, rated PG, as Stefan so eloquently puts it. It is direct. It was directed by Toby Hooper slash Steven Spielberg because that seems to be up for debate. You know it stars. It yeah. stars the guy from Coach. Yeah, he's like so young in this movie, but he has hair. <laughs> yeah, he does. A full head of hair and long legs. I don't know. <laughs> There's something about those 80s boy shorts, or not boy shorts, but like you know, like the little. Short shorts on men. I kind of dug it. Mm, not, not me. I, I never liked that style. All although, right. Although I do have some pictures of me as a kid wearing I'm sure some you do. shorts like that. I, wait, I think I've seen a pair of you. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> no, I mean, I think no, I've yeah, seen a picture maybe, of you in a pair of those shorts. You, well, you want to All start right. at the beginning? and then... So this film is actually an insane cult classic. It has a huge following. People love it. And it is ranked in lists of the scariest movies ever made. I See, I don't know about scariest, but then again, maybe at the time, you know, back in the 80s, I think a lot a lot of people were still like very scared of like ghost stories. And right now, if you've noticed, I think that the trend has changed from supernatural to a little bit more just... Post-apocalyptic movies? That and just extreme gore and brutality just like push the threshold of oh you mean realism as far as what people do to each other yeah so i did find this movie pretty scary there are a few times where you laughed like a motherfucker at my reactions because i did jump a few times yeah (laughs) yeah well it was to me and not to say that it was a bad thing but it had like uh indiana jones style that was the limit of like its scariness to me. It was like, oh, there's a skeleton. Well, you weren't paying attention because those are the parts that not they were not the scariest. They got your heart pumping, but those were not the scariest parts. The scariest parts are like moments of complete and utter devastation and loss. Uh, I don't know. That's I, I think. I, well, let's just let's get into right. it. We'll figure it out here. So the Freeling family. Freeling, right? Freeling, that was the last yes. name, yeah. There's Steven, who is the, the coach. Dad, the coach. <laughs> Diane, who's his wife. And they have three children. Dana, who's like 16 years old. Yeah, because he says the ages at one point. Yeah. 16 years old. There is Robbie, who's... I don't know about the, if he said hit there. The, the eight younger. or nine. And then there's Carol Ann, who's five. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and uh, yeah, so we also find out later on that she also was born in the house where they moved to. That plays big. Uh, yeah, so bit they've been there for about five years. Yeah. That is. Okay, so, so Steve, the dad, is actually like a real estate guy for this community that has been built. And it's kind of like, have you ever watched the movie Weeds? I mean, the show Weeds. Yeah, okay. unfortunately. So, you know how Agrestic is just little boxes on the hillside, little boxes made of tiki-taki? Mm-hmm. That's what this community is. Every house is just like the other. Little boxes on the hillside, little boxes all the same, right? Mm-hmm. That's what this is. It's just a community of just copy and paste. And they're developing them and they're building, they're moving people into this community and they're expanding. Is that a real and- place? The city that they're talking about? Um, the the city of... It's like Cuesta, Cuesta something or other. Cuesta Verde. Cuesta Verde, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's a real place, but it was... T- it w- that house was in Simi Valley. Oh, right. Yeah, the house is... Yeah. And, and, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, that's why they have this house there, because he's been selling out... Selling, like, homes in this development um and we find out later that he is responsible for 42 percent of all of the sales there he's made them 70 million dollars or something like that so they really love him there at that place they all live together in this home um and they're going to build a pool in the backyard so that's like the new thing that's happening and we meet them not by meeting them specifically being wholesome and family and friendly whatever we meet them because their bad good boy is uh, Ibas walking around to each of the family members who has fallen asleep with some form of food around them. And he's just eating all the people food, which is not good for him. There's the dad who's asleep in front of the TV in the living room. And he's like has like a leftover sandwich or something. Um Dana, she is asleep with a bag of potato chips on her on her bed, you know. So the dog's just going around, and that's how we meet everybody. Then Carol Ann, the five year old, gets up and walks downstairs to the, where the dad is. Back in our day, what would happen was after all the programming was done on TV, you'd get this like rainbow colored barcode kind of thing, and it'd go beep, and then it would switch off, and then you just have static mm-hmm. for the whole until until broadcasting resumed the next day. And so that's where <clears throat> Carol Ann goes to the living room and she starts kind of interacting with the static as if she's having a conversation with them. Yeah, she talks to the TV and she says something like, talk louder, I can't hear you. Yeah, and, and she says it so loud that everybody in the house wakes up and wake starts up. looking at her. Mm-hmm. I think they, I don't remember if they just cut scene there if they keep it or, or if there's any other dialogue. But the next morning... We see it opens up with, a, you know, this this busy street or not busy, but it's the out, everybody's outside in their neighborhood is this guy riding his bike with a bunch of beers in his hand and a couple kids on the corner with some Being RC assholes. cars. Yeah. And uh, they, they drive the little RC cars under this guy with a bike and then he they make him fall off and drop a bunch of his beers. And anyways, he's he ends up grabbing what's left over, runs into the house, which happens to be. Coach's house. Coach's house. Yeah, Steve. And they're watching a very heated football game. and They all have money riding on it. So they're like super, super into it. And then next thing you know, it changes to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. (laughs) And apparently, um, their clicker and the neighbor's clickers kind of cross streams or something because 
uh, they can switch each other's televisions. And so they're kind of getting into this kind of, kind of comical little argument about you know, my kids want to watch um, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Well, I want to watch the football game. So whatever. Do you think this is a real? This must have been a serious problem or something that they had to figure out because I mean, he tells them move your TV. Yeah, move your TV. It's not my problem. But like, I wonder. I mean, we. I guess it seems a little foreign to us because they figured out technology by the time we got old enough to where we had remotes I, I and all know. that. By the time this came out, I was like negative three months. My, my point exactly. So maybe at that point in time, we didn't we didn't know because that's what I'm saying is that when we grew up to where we were conscious of it that they already figured out the technology and worked out the kinks. But that was strange that you could change one remote and then changes the other TV in the neighbor's house as well. That's weird. There was this movie. Let me make that face. <laughs> There's this movie. I don't remember. It's like one of those old timey, like 60s movies or whatever. Was it called Silenced? It was called Party Line, I think. Oh, right, 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 right. And so their wires would get crossed and you'd have each other's conversations. So I imagine that this is pretty plausible. Yeah, I, I could see where signals would get caught or crossed. Um, well, before let's. So I, I wrote some things down. Just wanted to like set the plot theme. So the mom, the the the, the dad is watching the football game with his um, guy friends. The mom's like cleaning out the kids' room. She notices that their Tweety Bird is dead. Unfortunately, yeah, it's like a little yellow canary. But isn't yeah. that kind of um, foreshadowing? Because coal miners would take a canary down with them, right? And if the canary died, you better get the fuck out of there. I did not know that. I have never heard that before, but maybe. Why? What would be the cause of that? I mean, the it, poltergeist, maybe. No, I mean, what would kill the canaries? Natural gases. Yeah, oh, okay. So they just sacrificed a, a Tweety Bird for her. Okay, all right, I get it. But another thing is that their son, he's climbing a tree, and from a distance, you see the clouds are kind of rolling in and whatever. Um, so that was the gist of the morning of the next day. Which then leads to the evening time. Thank you. Yeah. So that evening, the uh, the storm is coming in. Uh-huh. We find out Robbie is afraid of two things in particular. One, this creepy clown doll that they have in their bedroom. Yeah, this weird clown doll like kind of reminds me of um, something from like It or Killer Clowns from Outer Space or something like that. Yeah. And then the tree that he was climbing earlier that sits right outside of his window, um, which is this gnarly fucking tree. It has no leaves. It has no limbs. It's just nubs. It's like the walloping willow from um, Harry Potter without leaves because it's just... Like okay. stumps on top of stumps kind of thing. It it, it looks like um looks like it's dead. And so I'll have to take your word on it because I've never seen the Harry Potter movies. Okay. So it just looks really um it looks really creepy, especially to a kid who sleeps next to the window, which you're not supposed to do in California at all, actually. Oh really? You're not supposed to have your beds under the windows because in case of an earthquake and the glass shatters, it's gonna fall on top of you. I never thought about that but it makes so much sense also he shares a room with carol ann and she because her tweety bird dies she goes can i have a fish can i have a goldfish and they get her like two goldfish like right away like the same day um so she's feeding her fish and she's getting into bed she's like fearless Overfeeding the fish too by the way yeah she's like fearless she's like whatever the only thing that she really needed before she had to go to bed was the closet door needed to be open 
and they needed to have a light on. That's the opposite of you. <laughs> I need all the lights off and I need the closet doors closed. <laughs> I still haven't figured out why. You never told me. You're right. I have it. <laughs> I guess it's going to stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mother goes off to sleep. Um, and that's when she's with her husband. No, she goes back to her bedroom with her husband and they start rolling joints mm-hmm. and smoking. Yeah. There was, it's thundering and lightning right now. The storms sort of come in. Um, we also, again, in the kids' room, we get to see that there's a very big ode or homage to Star Wars. Again, Steven Spielberg's buddy, George Lucas, because the kid's got like everything. He's got the Yoda doll and like the bed sheet. I don't know. He's got everything Star Wars in that room. He's got a Darth Vader toy. He's got the he to cover his that cl- creepy clown with a, ja- with a jacket with Chewbacca, Chewbacca on the back, but he like yep. throws the jacket over him, and you just see Chewie's face. And I'm like, I don't know if that looks less creepy in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, 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 Chewie, I mean, he's there to protect you. You know, we understand that, but also as a little kid and scary things. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was the wolf man, but Oh yeah, you were like Teen Wolf, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. I didn't say that. I'm not no Wolf Man. I know. I'm it's a just universal a monster. It's my chewy impression. Did you just fart? <laughs> okay. Um So yeah, the parents, again, progressive for the times, are in their bedroom after they put the kids to bed, rolling joints very, very messily, I might add, because who the fuck rolls with their weed all over the fucking blanket and shit? Did you see that? I'm not proficient in weed. I don't well, know. you'd want to get what we call a surface of some sorts, like a tray or a book or a magazine. This guy's just got his weed on his, like, bed sheets. Like, it's fucking... Or, and, and it looks like shit weed, too, like oregano. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't, like, just... Um... It's just cigarettes, like just rolling cigarettes, because he had a little box uh, of tobacco, something or other, and that's where they buried the bird. Yeah, no, those are cigar boxes. I, I understand, but no, they were smoking weed. Um, the okay. the mom, who probably was like some sort of ex hippie or whatever, she was definitely holding it, and she was actually the more professional of the two because she he was just breaking all up like on his bed. Oh, he and hands then, it to her. Then to he hands it to her, and she He's finished like, rolling it and whatever. So, they're messing around, and they're just so in love. They have such a good re- relationship. They're still in love. Um, and in in my, my brief research since we watched this, it turns out that that's his second wife. So when they talk about the ages, which I know we're not at that part of the movie yet, but you brought it up earlier... They say that she's 31 or 32 and the daughter is 16, which mm-hmm. means that she would have had the daughter at like 16. Right. But right. that's where I read that they said that she's the second wife and that theoretically the daughter is maybe from the previous Which marriage. would explain the the age difference between her and the two younger children. The two children. other kids, mm-hmm. yeah. And the fact that she's never there. Yeah. Right. She's at the Holiday Inn. No. Drinking with her friends. Well, Wait, that's not how it goes, right? Yeah, do you want me to edit that? Because that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're being all lovey dovey, and it's really, actually really cute. And and then they're kind of like starting to, I think they're trying to make out or whatever. And next thing you know, Robbie walks in, and he's just scared because it's a storm. Mm-hmm. And Coach gives him a piggyback ride, and like parents the fuck out of the moment he does i noticed though also the mom she takes an extra drag before she puts <laughs> out her joint so 
I kind of was happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. He parents it. She's like, let me hit this one more time before I got to put it out. And then um, she goes, um, he, coach carries Robbie into the bedroom where Caroline is still there. And he's teaching him the whole trick with the thunder and the lightning. So you can tell if the storm is moving away. And then he closes the door on them. And they go back. Yeah. To, What's that trick that exactly? It's like where you so count. So what it is, it's you, hear the, you hear the thunder. No. Opposite. You see the lightning. You see the lightning. And then you count how many seconds until you hear the. Yep. Of the thunder. And, and then if the spacing gets further apart, it means the storm's moving away from you. Right. So you do it again the next time you see lightning. And yeah. yeah if it gets, if you. So it's either going to get closer to you or further from you. Anyways, right. that's, that's a cool little so trick. Then he's the, so then Coach is like, you'll fall asleep. It's fine. No problem. And you guys be brave, whatever. And then hilariously, next thing you know, all four of them are on the same bed. Yep. Sleeping <laughs> in the parents' room. Diane, Coach, Caroline, and Robbie. Yep. Just sleeping in their big-ass fucking bed. Caroline wakes up because the TV, the signal then... So the... um. The TV plays like the national anthem. Yeah, that was weird. I never understood that part. But maybe it's just how they signed off at the times. Right. Because it was it happened in the very first scene too. Like it was the mm-hmm. the Star Spangled right. Banner and then it was static. So in this case, this is when Caroline wakes up again and she's uh, going towards the TV and um you see like these um white things that are different than the snow on the on the actual t- television set. Yeah, like little orbs or something. Yeah, like that. kind of like. Um, so you, have you ever watched like those um, ghost hunters and they're like, oh, it's an orb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those kind of things when it's like dust, and so they um, these little white things they kind of come out of the TV and then kind of look like they're hovering over the bed and then they kind of snap back. Right, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then Carol Ann, you know, no, then there's an earthquake. Everybody wakes up, and Carol Ann is just still staring at the TV. And then she, um, kind of like once it dies down, Carol Ann kind of is like looking back at everybody and, and just goes, "They're here." Yep, that's where she says that famous line. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, it looks like some sort of spirit or entity comes out of the TV or something like that. The next, so after that happened, the next day, they try to ask like the neighbors or their other people, like, are you sure you didn't feel anything move? Because they definitely did. They were like, no, it wasn't like a really tiny tremor. It was like a little bit of an earthquake, like mm-hmm. for a second. Um, but anyways, they get through the night. The next day, they're um, what are they? They have like construction or something, or they're moving. They're stuff. building the pool. Oh yeah, right, the pool. They're building the pool in the back, and that's when we get to see the good old creepy '80s construction worker guys. Well, so this is what I'm talking about. What if all of this happened because they disturbed the peace while they're building the pool? Well, that may be part of it, but as you saw later on at the end of the movie, it wasn't just the pool area. The whole place used to be uh, a burial ground cemetery. So not just the, well, their okay. pool backyard. It was the whole... Uh, yeah, we'll get to that part. I like how I'm saying that this time. Not, not but you. now you understand it, right? No, I would just say it right now. So they're building the pool outside. And so at this point, um, you hear construction going on in the background. Um, 
And Diane, Diana, Diane is taking care of the kids. She's making sure that they have breakfast or whatever. Dana gets up to go and um, because she's like in high school and she's like riding her bike. And the guys are like, oh, baby, I love you. Ooh, baby, baby. Mm, mm, mm." All this nasty shit that men do. Yeah, it's so gross. Like she's 16 years old and they're like, what up, baby? Come over here or whatever. And they're doing it at the home, knowing that the mom and dad and the parents are home, Mm -hmm. whatever. But and the mom actually oversees some of this, but she doesn't oversee it. She was able to observe some of it, right? Um, and she kind of chuckles it off because Dana did a good ass job of taking care of that shit herself. Yeah, she did that whole '80s um, "fuck you" sign. Mm-hmm. That's like more than just the middle finger. It's like I'm gonna flick my chin and then do this little like punch the air and then put the finger up. I remember all that back in the days, but. It's funny because now we just throw people the middle finger. All right. So, yeah. Um, and, and I can kind of understand um, Diane's reaction because um, I remember as a kid, as a kid, I used to get caught all the time and I dressed like a straight up dude. And not because I was like a butch lesbian or anything, but because we were poor and my mom used to have me and my brother share clothes. So I used to dress like a dude. Dude. And then, but I do remember one time when my daughter, because my daughter used to walk to sc- walk from school to my office, and some guy was like trying to holler at her, and she was at this time she was like twelve years old, and my daughter handled the fuck out of herself, and I gotta tell you, that's a fucking proud moment. That's good. There's fucking sickos out there. I yeah, don't understand. fucking ridiculous. So one one thing that we see at the breakfast table, um, before the daughter leaves, actually, I think, which starts to basically let us know that there's something going on in this house is the son robbie is drinking his milk or juice or whatever and the glass shatters Mm -hmm. breaks and they kind of don't pay much mind they're just like oh crap the glass broke be careful don't whatever but which they could have attributed easily to the earthquake of the previous day could have just maybe had like a hairline fracture on the glass Mm -hmm. yeah um, but then it's also like the dog is barking and acting weird. And it's like he knows something, too. Right. And then after Dana leaves, um, you see that Robbie's trying to sit there and finish his breakfast. But the fork and the spoon, they're both bent out of shape. I know. Like fucking the Matrix or something where it was all bent and shit. That's weird. So it's like some angry ghost that bent the the knife and fork, I guess. Yeah. We see, also see some furniture move. That, yeah, the furniture moving um, starts to happen and then continues to happen. (laughs) Right. So what happens is Diane says to the kids after they get up and go after breakfast, um, when Robbie leaves, push your chairs in. I just want you to push your chairs in. Gunshots or fireworks? Fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, at this point, Diane goes back into the kitchen after having taken care of um, something else, right? Goes back to the kitchen and the chairs are all pulled out from under the table. They're all kind of just spaced out. Yeah. And just like, and that's the that's the funny thing about these kind of ghosts. It's like they just move things around and then. <laughs> and just fuck with you. Yeah, just fuck so with then, you like that. Um, Carol Ann comes walking in and um, Diana asks her, hey, did you do this? And she's like, no, mm-hmm. I didn't do it. And they're talking. And then as they're talking, they look at the chairs and they're no longer under where Diane had just pushed them back in. They are stacked on top of the table on top of each, on top of one another. 
and they're freaked out. Yeah, they're like in this pyramid, um, pyramid formation or something like that. And um, she's like, whoa, what the hell? That's crazy. Yeah. So then they kind of um, don't freak out about it enough. No, that's what I mean. The mom's kind of like, she doesn't really, at this point in time anyway, she's very like curious. Like, what's going on? Right. I don't understand. So when, when, uh, when coach comes back from, um, from work that day, you know what they do is they show him at this point, they have lines drawn on the kitchen floor to, um, kind of like a, a start and stop kind of section. And they put a chair. So, okay. So Diane is showing coach, check this out. Puts a chair at the start and it automatically moves by itself to the stop at the other end of the kitchen. Caroline comes in with the helmet and is like, oh, she sits at the stop at the start. And then the spirit or entity moves her towards the finish. And they're playing with this fucking thing as opposed to being like, yeah, um, like it's a game. I'm out. <laughs> the do- the Caroline's like, it kind of burns or something like that. And she's like, yeah, we'll just have to. I don't know what she said. Like, she said, well, it you, kind of burned because she like was dragged across while sitting. So it kind of created friction. Right. Yeah. So that's why Diane was like, well, we'll just have to wax the floor. Wax the floor. More. Right. Yeah. Instead of let's not do this. Yeah. So that night when the kids are getting put to bed, same thing, right? Closet door open, light on, uh, getting scared of the things outside. Yeah. Carol Ann starts to refer to these ghosts or entities as the TV people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so the storm is getting closer at this point in time. Um, the Ro- Robbie kid is kind of really scared because that tree outside his window looks really creepy. Yeah. And um, so just they're kind of just, you know, dying down for the night. And next thing you know, the tree fucking crashes through the window, grabs Robbie and tries to eat him. Yeah. It's like, what? We did not expect that to happen. It literally tries to eat him. Like they have to like, go into there's some a tree cr- mouth. Yeah. And the tree mouth has Robbie inside of its mouth. Yep. And Coach has to run around and... And, and he saves them. <laughs> but you know what they don't do? Remember that Carol Ann is still in that same fucking room. Yeah. Just like these other movies we've watched where somebody's like, oh, this child. Oh, shit. We forgot about the other child. <laughs> <laughs> and so Carol Ann gets like sucked into the closet or something. She gets sucked in by t- yeah, some like fucking entity or something like... Like sucks everything out from the room into the closet. Everything is going in there. The last thing to go in there is Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. And see, again, we're not seeing this in a while. I thought it had to do with the clown, but not yet. It was the tree, the evil tree that had the two arms. It just snatches up this kid. So, so everything kind of dies down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, wait, where's Carol Ann? And so they're looking for her and they're searching everywhere. Oh, yeah. They go up to the room first and they're like, oh, shit. She's in the closet because everything had been sucked into the closet. So they're pulling everything, pulling everything out. Finally, they see something covered in a blanket and still. And you think the worst. The mom thinks the worst because she like sees the she's the blanket covered over a body. And she's like, oh, my God. And she goes and pulls it out. And it's the fucking clown. It's the clown. Yeah. By the way, we forgot to mention there was a fucking tornado that even went by outside in this scene, too. Like when they in were in California. Tra- yeah like does that ever happen out here no but it was like a black tornado and it whisked right by destroyed you know a bunch of shit or whatever in their backyard but i don't know i just thought it was funny because not only is there a tree grabbing people out of their window but there's also a black tornado that comes (laughs) so 
They, they go and they look for Carol Ann everywhere. They can't find her. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, in one of the bedrooms, Rob, Robbie's like, I hear her. Yeah, Mom, I hear her. And so she comes into the room. She's like, oh, I hear you. Where are you? Where are you hiding? Mm-hmm. And they realize she's in the TV. Yeah. Just hearing all of a sudden those voices. They're saying like, mommy, mommy or something like that. Right. Where are you, mommy? What the fuck do you do? What do you do in that case? I don't know. See, that's why I was like, if that really happened in real life, part of me would be like, ah, this is crazy. <laughs> because it's like. That's what the mom did. She's like, what the fuck? But, I but also almost... her child is gone. So right, there's right, this right, right, level right. of. I would be kind of excited. But yeah, you're right. I guess if you're missing a child, you're like, ah, shit. But part of me would be like, fucking some shit's actually working. <laughs> but. What do you fucking do in that case? I'll tell you what Coach did. He went and found some paranormal researchers from UC Irvine. Mm-hmm. And so that was Dr. Lesh with her assistants, Ryan and Marty. Great Scott, Marty. That was really good. Coach goes to the to UC Irvine and starts talking to them. And that's when they ask about the ages and the genders of everybody in the household. Yes. Asks what happened. Yes. And he tells them. So they go into his house and they're doing like this ghost hunter shit. Mm-hmm. And some time has passed at this point. Not, not. We don't know exactly how much. No, but... it's like right after. Like we know that um, he's taking some time off of work or whatever. But it's like he had, he couldn't go to the police. He says he didn't go. But I think it's maybe I don't know. I, I wrote down something about that that I felt like that there had been some time that passed. It wasn't like they just immediately got up and um, brought those paranormal people over the next day, so, right? Well, they get there and they start looking around and feeling to see if what they see. And the Dr. Lesh is telling them, Dr. Lesh is a woman, and she's telling them, well, I'm a psychologist, but this is where my passion lies or whatever. So she actually is a doctor. You can't get certified in ghosts. Um, but she tells them this is looks more like a poltergeist than a haunted house because a poltergeist is like a person or something. And a haunted house is attached to the home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. That was the, the the big difference they explained there is that a haunted house means the ghost is attached to the home, which might be more like Amityville horror and the changeling kind of situation. Whereas, you know, this was a poltergeist or like what you said, just. But it wasn't. Mm. She was wrong because. At the end of the movie, we find out that it was the the area, the, mm-hmm. the, the area. So she said that it wasn't a haunting. She was wrong. Right. 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 So. Um, so they try to contact Carol Ann with these new, um, uh, you know, paranormal investigators or whatever. Um, and I think. I mean, do, do they have any success? I don't remember. Like, they try to contact her, but no, I don't they think do. She's... Okay, so what they do is they turn on the TV, and that's when Diane is like, "Well, this is how we can talk to her." And she calls out to her, and she tells her to say hi to her dad, and she does, and they interact, but they can't do anything about it really. Um, they kind of just record. They kind of just set up like, e what is it e. EMPs and they set up recording equipment yeah, this just to kind of capture the 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 happenings. Yeah. And so I think this is more of an EVP. I that's think, what right? it was. Yeah. And EMP is from Oceans Eleven 
And that's what Basher sets off in Las Vegas that creates all of the blackout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Not to be confused with EVPs, which are these ghost things. Um, okay. So. So when. Go ahead. So they're recording and everyone's kind of just hanging out, sleeping in the living room because nobody wants to leave. Dana is not there. Maybe she's at her mother's house. Who knows? Um, but we find out that um, Ryan and Marty are the kind of this there just to be assistants. And Marty goes to Ryan and says, I'm going to go get a snack. And he goes into the kitchen and he tries to start making a fucking steak. And the steak starts crawling across the... Mm-hmm. Across, like he's like hallucinating. The steak's he's crawling across the time, yeah. across the um the kitchen counter, mm-hmm. and it starts and it opens up, and like all this nasty rot starts coming out, like pouring out of the steak. Yeah. And then he had a piece of chicken in his in his mouth, and he like drops it, and then it's covered in maggots. Mm-hmm. And he goes to wash it out by going into the washroom that's right next to the kitchen, and he's like clawing at his face and he's clawing on his face at this point and he's tearing his flesh out and his face just starts falling off and then he snaps out of it because it was a hallucination Be- right that's, that's exactly what does happen with him but when they did contact carol ann before they were just sleeping around see she did say like somebody's here and you kind of hear this monstrous roar and they're like who who they don't know whatever so, and then that's when they, the little, they're staking it out, you know, and stake out literally. Um, and the guy also gets bit by something too, before he peels his face off. Right. He has like some sort of bite mark on the side of his. Uh, oh, because when they go and they start to contact Carol Ann, he goes up to the closet because that's where Dr. Lesh. Says that that's where the energy is coming from. So he goes in there and he comes back down. He's like all disheveled and he has kind of like a a bite on his mm-hmm. like right. on this on his side. Yeah, and that was before he peels his face off. That uh, after that bite happened, that's when they after that bite happened. He goes. Um, that that's when we see everybody's kind of chilling in front yeah. of them. Um, and then they start recording. But then. After he does the hallucination part, though, he goes back into the living room and starts talking to Ryan. And then um, the camera starts moving. And then we see that at the top of the stairs, there's like all this stuff forming. um, Mm -hmm. Like um, some entity is coming out of the bedroom. Yeah. Um, Oh, wait, wait. I want to go back to where um, Carol Ann makes contact with them. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, you kind of hear her running across like the upstairs. And coming down the stairs a little bit. And that's when uh, Diane, the mother, is just standing down there. And she says to her, she says, um, she's something, um, she like, set, uh, so she feels hears her running across the, the top floor and then coming down the stairs. And then it's like, whoosh, like something went through her. And, and Diane says, she passed through my soul. And that moment was so emotional. That moment, you can feel her longing for her child. That was a brilliant moment. It, you could feel her pain. And and you're like, oh, shit, man. I feel for this woman. Mm. I feel so bad for this woman. She, like, really, like, felt her daughter inside her because she misses her so much. So, um, again, so then when... At this point, Marty comes back to the living room from having hallucinated in the kitchen. 
at the same top of the stairs, these lights are gathering. This huge, it's a small light, and then it starts getting bigger and brighter and brighter. And I couldn't really tell what it was because I didn't have my glasses on at the time. But it, it's getting brighter and brighter and brighter, and it starts coming down the stairs, and it comes down to the to the foyer, and then it goes and bursts up into the ceiling. And everybody's like, whoa, what the fuck? Luckily, they had just recorded it. Mm-hmm. And so they will play it back. And what you see is one by one, that big ball of light was actually several different entities of people. And we find out there are people that had just gotten lost on their way to the other side. They don't even know they're dead. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought that it was like kind of like a ghostly woman figure. And then, like you said, when it gets caught on camera, you start to see that there's all these other entities there's little spirits flying through or whatever um and then the next day we um the next the next day they they wake up and they put robbie and the dog in a cab and they're like send them off we don't even know where probably a grandmother's house or something like that actually okay so after that happens like the next day robbie and dana get sent away dana goes to stay with some neighbors or her friends and Robbie gets sent to his grandmother's house with the dog, Ebuds. And as they're getting sent away, you can feel the emotion because the mother's like, she calls out to Robbie and he doesn't say a word to her. Uh, she calls out to him. And she goes, um, call me. Like, that's all she was able to say, because what can she say? So then at some point, um, Louis Teague, who is the coach's boss, comes up to the house and um and coach lets him in and you he like starts talking to him saying hey you're missing a few days i know you have the flu i want to make sure that you're not leaving us and at that point the piano moves and that's when coach gets him and goes let's just go outside so he takes him outside and then uh we see the porch light it starts bright uh, shining really really bright and then he's like what you got like a 300 watt bulb in there and then Coach is like freaking out because he doesn't know how to tell his boss, hey, so a ghost took my kid. So they go for a drive. And that's when, uh, and Lewis, the boss, is suggesting the ride because he is wanting to show Coach another part of the development, phase five, the part that they're expanding up on top of a hill. And as they're making their way up to the top of this hill, um, the boss tells Coach, you know, I really don't want to lose you. Yes, when you're, that's when he says you're responsible for 49% of all sales here. You've made this much money for us. We should have made you partner three years ago. We want you to stay. How about your new house be here? And it's the top of a hill. It has a great view of the entire community, but it's backed up against a cemetery. And that's where um, Coach is like, well, he doesn't have room for a pool. And he says, we'll just relocate the cemetery. We've fucking done it before. And that's when Coach is like, what the fuck? You guys have done this shit before? And that's where we're kind of like, okay, that's something shady that's happening. That's why that's going on with their home. Yeah, he goes, yeah, we did it before in 76. In, 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 in the, the original Verde yeah. place, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, he also mentions, too, when he was talking about Carol Ann, the daughter, he was like, yeah, I haven't seen her. Where is she? Because well, she was born she in the house. She also has the flu, supposedly. Right. And he, he says, like, you know, oh, yeah, she was born in the house and or whatever at that point in time. Because I thought that was significant because obviously they're contacting her more so than any anybody else or they took her 
away, you know, so I'm just wondering if it had to do with her being born there. But you're right. Yes. So it's an ancient tribal burial ground. He says it's not like it's an ancient tribal burial Uh ground. He's not saying that it is. Right. You're right. I thought at that point in time, I was thinking, oh, Pet Cemetery." But you know what? Pet Cemetery didn't come out until after this movie. Well, so this, so I, I want to say it's not an, an ancient Indian burial ground because when the bodies do start coming up, they're still dressed in um, not native clothing. Right. And when and, that happens. And they have jewelry and they have money and they have all these things that are not very important. I thought the same thing too. But that's what Teague or whatever his name was says. He calls it the ancient tribal burial ground. No, he says... His exact phrase was, "It's uh, we can just move the cemetery. It's not like it's an ancient Indian burial ground or something. Tribal burial ground. Whatever. It's not, he said, it's not like it's that. Right, 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 right. So whatever. Um, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still, the point is he wanted, we were supposed to get the message that something is built on a cemetery. Mm-hmm. So after uh, Robbie and Dana are sent away, Lesh and Ryan bring in somebody to help them and that's um tangia barons yep that's the creepy old lady i was talking she's about. she's a medium yeah she's got a very distinctive look and a very distinctive voice so here's the thing she's actually a medium in real life you don't say i did say oh she tells them she's like going through the house and asking questions and coach just being an asshole he's like uh, he, she asks him a question and, and Diane is like, answer her. He's like, I'm answering her with my mind. Yeah. And she's like, I don't answer. I, d- I don't respond to tricks. Like she tells him from the top of the stairs, like she's yeah. reading his mind already. Yeah. She does say something to him like, I am talking to the living, aren't I? Yeah. Um, so she tells them that the ghosts in the house are, um, they're on a different sphere of consciousness and they're not at rest. Um, so... What they are doing is because they, they're trying to get to the light and Carol Ann also is light that they're getting confused. So they're following her, which is why she's constantly like moving because she's getting followed. Um, but they don't know that she's not the light. They're confused. She also tells them that there's a, a beast with her and it has Carol Ann restrained um, so that it prevents all these other um spirits from crossing over because of her life force right which i found to be very confusing (laughs) yeah i mean but i found okay i found it to be very confusing at first but now it's kind of this is how i understand it is because she's pure child she's like a very pure being she's a child she was born in this place she has a very very uh, strong connection to this space um her light is bright enough to distract the spirits from going into the other light. And this beast wants to have all of those spirits. So he's like, I'm going to keep her to keep all the other spirits also. She's trying to keep them all at bay. Yeah. At this point, because um, Tangia, Tangia? No, I think it's Tangina, but we never get the pronunciation, but it's T-A-N-G-I-N-A. So say Tangina. Tangina. Okay. So... They all get together and they, they go through um, the house and, and she determines that there is an entrance to the other dimension through the closet in the kids' room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the exit 
is in the ceiling in the living room. So remember that spirit that came down from the upstairs and that went up through the ceiling? Yeah. It's actually the exit. Uh, the ceiling yeah. portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they devise this plan to rescue Carol Ann. And what they do is um, they go into that room. And that room is a room that is has been kept locked this whole time. Because even when, Car- when uh, Diane opens it a little bit, you know, to kind of peek in. This beast goes, yeah, and, yeah, her. and yeah. that was one of the first jump scare that got me. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I think <laughs> technically what I, I remember reading somewhere that that was also the first scene they shot in the whole movie. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of uh, immediately scary. So, yeah, they, they want to do it. Would you consider that like a seance or no? A seance is like. No, that's no, not a seance. Uh, seance is when you're trying to communicate. Okay. This yeah. was more like. They want to, it's like a rescue attempt. Mm. They do this whole thing where um, Diane wraps, ties the rope around herself and um, she goes in through the portal and uh, downstairs are supposed to pull her back out. They do that and then she's able to get um, Carol Ann back. Yeah. Well, to uh, find out where Carol Ann was before they go through the portal, um, the Tangina, whatever her name is, she starts to tell the dad that you need to call Carol Ann, but be Like that she's going to get a spanking yeah. if she doesn't listen or say hello. <laughs> it's funny because or... he's like, I never spank my kids. Like, I can't do that. And she's <laughs> like, you got to do it. Be mad. Show your anger or whatever. And so she does respond to that. They pull her down from the ceiling of the living room with Carol Ann in her arms, but she's covered in this pink stuff. Yeah. And so well, they, they... they do a test before they get that far. And they have these like little tennis balls with numbers on them and they throw it through the portal first to see. And it pops out that exit where that, what's his name? The, um, Brian, Brian. Yeah. Ryan's at, and you know, the, the, the door itself is open and there's so much light and wind just blowing all over the place inside. Uh, but they know that that is the exit now and it works. So that's when they decide to send the mom through actually the the lady wants to go through first and the mom's like no i'll do it and she's like you've never done this before and she's like you haven't either <laughs> oh yeah you're right go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um so yes they come out and they're covered in this pink stuff and they drop them into the bathtub and then they try to clean them up and try to and they're like willing them to breathe and they do and they come back to life okay but i'm sorry i don't mean to just keep going back but there was also that giant demon skull that came out while the dad was holding the rope when the mom was, um, before she fell through the thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, well, that happens before the mom finds Carol Ann and falls through the portal again or whatever it is. There's this giant demon skull that comes out and like, I don't know, it just scares the hell out of the dad. Yeah, it's like just a jump scare. Yeah, okay, so it's not worth him mentioning that this giant skull comes out. That happens, you're right. I missed it. Okay, so no bad, no problem. So they do get Carol Ann and the mom, Diane, fall through the portal. And they got this goo or this bloody gunk or whatever all over them. They pick them up. They take them into the bathtub. They're like, we got to get them to breathe. Please breathe, breathe. And they both come back and are awake. And Tangina says that the house is now clean. Yes, she says the house is clean. Carol Ann, the daughter, also doesn't seem to be phased as if she doesn't remember anything happening well, at all. Well, the next morning, um, or I don't know if the next morning, but sometime after, but it's daytime, um, <laughs> Diane and Coach are talking and they're like, well, it's like she doesn't even 
remember any of this stuff, which is good, I guess, right? Yeah. But they're also packing and they're moving mm -hmm. um, and they're getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. Funny thing is I used to work for the same moving company that they, they used. It was called Atlas Moving. Um, Atlas Moving, whatever company. And I saw the box and the logo and I was like, oh shit, I worked for that company at one point. Um, anyways, that's just a side little note. But um, yeah, the, so they're all packing up, they're moving, they're deciding they're not probably going to stay in the house that night. They're going to stay in a hotel. Um, and that's <laughs> the funny part. But they're still packing and they're loading up the truck. And then um, for some reason, Coach is like, I got to go to the office. Yeah, he wants to go talk to his boss and he's got to work something out with him. No, he quit and the boss is like, no, stay. And and coach is like, well, I told him to go to hell. And she's like, well, what are you going to tell him now? He's like, I'm going to give him directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And and they do say that they we're going to stay at the Holiday Inn off of like... The 74? Yeah, and and then the 16-year-old the daughter, before she leaves, is like, oh, yeah, I remember that place. And the mom's like, what? What did you just say? <laughs> and the mom also has this crazy, like, Jean... Uh, not Jean Grey, Rogue. How she has, like, the gray or, you know, silver white hair. She's got mm -hmm. two streaks on she both has sides. Them, she has, like... Bride of Frankenstein, gray streaks on the side of her That's hair. That's a great description. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Well, I am the one with the Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> tattooed on. <laughs> I, I was I was actually going to say Polly from uh, The Sopranos. <laughs> oh, jeez, of course you are. All right. So, um, I don't know why he decides to leave the whole family there, and but he goes, if the kids get tired, just put them to bed. Yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know. So. So. It's their last night there. And Dana goes on a date. Robbie and Carolina get tucked into bed again. Yeah. And um, Diane is like, well, I'm going to dye my hair. Mm -hmm. She goes and takes a, a, a bath and, and starts to dye her hair because she has those rogue things. Yeah. The um, kids sort of tuck themselves into bed. Mm -hmm. They're like fighting over a toy. And she's like, oh, I'm going to take a bath. So are you guys okay? And yeah, then, but then um, the clown is there mm -hmm. and he goes and, and Robbie goes to go throw his Chewbacca jacket over him and he misses. He misses. It falls on the floor and he's like, all right, well, fuck it. I'll just go to sleep. Everything will be cool. Yeah. But then it's not because sometime later he looks and the clown is not sitting on that chair anymore. Right. And he looks on one side of the bed and he's not there. And he looks on the other side of the bed. And then picks up the blanket and looks under the bed, and he's not there. He's not there either. But then we see it's right behind him, and it starts choking him. Yeah, it just grabs him out of nowhere, and it was a major jump scare for you at that moment, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I fucking freaked out. And he, like, starts, like, attacking the clown doll. He's, like, yeah. ripping it to shreds. Like, I hate you, I hate you, I uh -huh. hate you. He's ripping it up. Uh, obviously, Carol Ann's watching this whole thing happen. Yeah, but she didn't remember any of the things before. So she's mm -hmm. like, what the fuck is going mm -hmm. on? And then... Um, she's also noticing that there's stuff like flying into the closet and the closet started yeah, to look crazy again. again. Yep. And then um, at this point, Diane is like, what the shit? My kids. And she's like trying to get to the kids room. Well, no. Before that, she is laying down on the bed, blow drying her hair. Doesn't really think... She doesn't hear the kids screaming yet. And then that's when 
the entity also attacks her in the bedroom and she starts like feeling it like grabbing her and trying to pull her clothes off and like she's flaring uh, fla- like what's the flailing. word flailing up and down on the bed and then it starts doing some almost like freddy krueger style thing where they drag her up the wall up to the ceiling and then down the other side of the wall and she's got no control and she's just being dragged around the room that's a scene in scary movie and i had no idea it was poltergeist oh really <laughs> you know that that way they do those scenes especially back then yeah and, it's a like a rotating room but the camera stays still right mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, and, and they did that in Nightmare on Elm Street. They did that in Jamiroquai's music video. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but then you're right. Absolutely. After the demon sort of throws her out of the room, she lands outside and the door slams shut to her room. And then the door's also shut to the kid's room. So she goes to try to get and the she, kid's room, but yeah. she gets like electrocuted. Mm-hmm. And then we also see another one of these demon things come again. It's like beastly demon skeleton. Yeah, it's like this white, like dog woman mm-hmm. skeleton thing. Yep. And it's like not letting her go. Yeah. And I don't remember how, but she gets forced into the backyard. She, she doesn't really get forced in there. So what happens is she just, she's trying to go to the neighbor's house to get help because her husband's not there. She doesn't know what else to do. She can't get to her she kids. Can't so get she can't get to goes, the okay, kids. Right. So, right. She, but then she's, she can't find her neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so she They falls, don't like her anyways. <laughs> they don't like her anyways. They fall, she falls into the pool because the pool is like still getting dug. Yeah, it's just. A, and it's, it's pouring rain. So it's filling up with water. And she falls into the pool and she finds that all these skeletons have come up from mm-hmm. under the earth and like coffins are being popped out of mm-hmm. all different places because guess what? They moved the fucking headstones. But not the but bodies. But not the bodies. Yep, which we will hear the dad uh, coach say. So uh. she's she's like trying to climb out, but she can't. She can't. She finally gets out of there because then one of the, na- the neighbor pulls her out of there and she's like come help me come help me but the neighbor's wife is like don't go in there please don't go in there so diane goes in by herself and she um, makes her way back to the kids rescues the children by open when she opens the door the kids are being like sucked like into the closet and they're holding on to just the bed and so she goes and she has robbie hold her hand and then hold um carol ann's hand and then finally she pulls them both into the hallway where it's quote safe yeah she does almost like this running charge towards the door but it, it was weird because the camera looks like it's getting further away Yeah, so she's walking towards the um she's walking towards the the door but the closer she gets the further away the door is like willy wonka mm-hmm. but then finally she's like fuck it and she starts running towards right, it that's like, when she like wow. i thought she was gonna kick the yeah, door down like a football player yeah. or something whatever <laughs> but she didn't because she's still a girl yeah but but <laughs> boom is immediately as she opens the door like you said it's just like the kids are almost getting sucked out through the portal and she's like flying in the air holding on for dear life yeah and, so uh, they finally get outside but then coffins are coming up all over their yard. Can I go back to that one scene real quick? Because I wanted to mention something that you also talk about. That human element. There was a, the the part where the son is like crying, screaming to his mom. Like, I can't reach you. I'm trying. Like, whatever. Uh, some reason that part of the movie hit me the most. Like, I felt like, man, what if like as a mom, you're trying to save your baby and as a child like i put myself in the kid's shoes like you want to grab that hand so bad but you're trying and you're like oh my god it's too far away what's gonna happen 
Luckily, they were able to make that connection. But I thought that his screaming was so real almost like that, that the son, Robbie, his screams were like almost genuine. Yeah. So genuine and real. And it felt like he was almost really scared for his life in making of the movie almost, you know, anyway, sorry to cut you off. I just thought that it related to your human element thing. Well, so during the filming of the scenes, I don't know if it was the first sucking in of the of the closet or the second one, but Carol Ann is holding on to the bed frame mm-hmm. and she is fucking terrified in real life. The actress is mm-hmm. terrified. Um, and so Steven Spielberg like stops everything and then goes and holds her and says she doesn't have to do it anymore yeah. because the kids were actually fucking terrified. Right. Yeah. He also, um, in the water scene where the, the mom falls into, um, the, the pool mm-hmm. She didn't want to get in there because it was like, I guess, maybe really thundering and lightning in real life. Well, she didn't want to get in there because there was like all this electrical stuff. Right. It was electrical stuff and everything. Yeah. And so Steven Spielberg goes and gets in there with her and says, hey, well, if if it's going to happen, we'll both die, I guess. Yeah. I would. That wouldn't make me any more inclined to go do it. Yeah. Oh. And, it's not and, a two for one and, special. And, and another funny thing, too, just because we're on that subject that I did um, read when I was looking up some information about this was the clown when it was choking the kid. Mm-hmm. They thought, for, I don't know how, what, what, what the device they used, but the kid was really getting choked to the point where he, they thought that he was like ad living a line and it was just like, all right, keep the cameras rolling. And then they were like, Oh shit, he's turning a little purple. Let's <laughs> get him out of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh they push the boundaries for the filmmaking, you know, <laughs> method acting. Um, okay, so then, um, where was I? Okay, so the they make it outside, and then the coffins keep popping up. Yeah. And not only at their house, but, like, everywhere. Everywhere, Everybody yeah. can see it now. Mm-hmm. And that's when um, Coach... Coach comes, comes home. Comes back home, and he, like, confronts his boss. Mm-hmm. You moved... You only Tombstone. moved the headstones. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, screams, why? Or something like that. And then, and, and then they start calling for him to help. And so he goes and he helps his family and he grabs them and puts them in the car. And then that's when Dana shows back up and she gets in the car. Yeah. And they leave. Rather quickly, too. Rather quickly. And as they leave, the house kind of collapses up into itself and, and into a light and kind of just vanishes. Yeah, it's sort of like, I guess what I would assume like happens in a black hole situation or something. It just gets Reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons. And so um, after that... Um, well, the whole neighborhood is in a ruckus at that yeah, point in time. Yeah, everybody's just fucking like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the family finally ends up at the Holiday Inn. And they're exhausted. And they go one by one into their hotel room. And the door closes. And then it opens and the TV gets thrown out. Yep. <laughs> and then I laughed. Yep. <laughs> you're like, what the hell they are you laughing at? push the TV outside. And yeah, I was like, what are you laughing at? And you're just... <laughs> but it was funny. Yeah. I was like, fuck that TV. Get that shit out of here. And then end the credits roll. And that's basically the movie. But I did actually decide to, um, like, we played it through all the way to the end to see if there was any extra scenes. Mm-hmm. And... There, there were no extra scenes, but there was this really like evil laugh at the very end of the credits, which sort of reminded me again of like the Evil Dead or laugh or the um, the baby laugh from House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, and uh, it was kind of like that. <laughs> like That's real high pitched. 
Yeah, and that's the way the movie ends. Well, that was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. And there are a lot of things that um, w- that w- had me kind of like not wanting to watch it in the first place. But I'm so glad I finally got a chance to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. Because once I th- heard PG, I was kind of like, ah, it's going to be too watered down and mm, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, that's the the brilliance of Spielberg. And I know Toby Hooper is sort of on the, you know, quoted as a director. But from what I was reading up on it, that, you know, it really was sort of something where he just kind of didn't put a whole lot of input in it. He was just there to kind of be the support. Who knows? You know, I heard that, that there are conflicting stories on who did what and everything like that. But... Uh, either way, both of them phenomenal directors for making, you know, significant movies and in the horror genre, but just in, you know, any genre. But yeah, Spielberg, I mean, he he knows how to make a good movie. You can't deny that. I'm not denying that. <laughs> um, You're team Toby Hooper. I'm team Steven Spielberg. Is that what's happening here? No, no. <laughs> um, but... What I found fascinating was the actual story that inspired the movie. Mm-hmm. And it is a story of the Herman family. The Herman Munster family? No. Oh. It's a family. It's loosely based on it. But it's um, a family in Long Island, New York. Okay. Um, who were supposed to have been plagued by a poltergeist. Mm. And um, it was between February and March of 1958. And it started with bottle tops popping off of the bottles. And it seemed, you know, playful. innocent enough and playful. And then they even thought that the son, one of like this, one of their children, um, who was super into science, would like mess with them enough so that the humidity or the heat would make them pop. But then um, other things started happening, like the ornaments would fly around the house and one of a heavy bookshelf that they had there like tipped over. And that's when they're like, holy shit, like things are happening. Cause even a Virgin Mary figure like flew across the air, the, the, the room and crashed into a mirror. In this Long Island yeah. families. And so home. the police went by and the police went by and a photographer went by and they started seeing shit. The police officer saw like a globe, like flying across. A little orb. And, no, a globe like, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Um, and then the, um, the photographer, like his flashbulbs, you know, old timey cameras had those big flashbulbs. Mm-hmm. Like they lifted up off of the table. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so then they had priests, they had ministers, they had shaman, they had people from all different denominations come and, and try to conduct ri- rituals. And um, nothing nothing helped. Everybody just freaked the fuck out. And um, people came to check it. They checked for the, you know. If there was any natural gas leaks or all that normal stuff, like that could be explained away Um, and nothing. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. Hmm. It just fucking stopped. Just went away, huh? Yeah. I mean, the family moved away um, and they thought that it was connected to an ancient Native American burial site near their home. Um, But who knows? Yeah. I was wondering, see, when when we were talking about the ancient tribal burial ground or something like that earlier i was and i mentioned pet cemetery like i was wondering if it was you know kind of like a i don't know some sort of a connection between the two but then and but then 
it wouldn't because Pet Cemetery came after. But then I'm wondering because Pet Cemetery is based off of a book, right? So maybe Stephen, Stephen King. Yeah, but maybe Stephen King wrote the book earlier before the movie was made, obviously, and maybe it did exist back in '82. I don't know. Would that might. I was just wondering. It's something that I thought Maybe of. Maybe it was just a thing because um, in 1958, when those happenings were mm-hmm. going on to that family, they also thought it was that. But I think it might have just been, it may have just been fear of or that cultural guilt of having done all of these things to Native tribes. Yeah, I think also somewhere um, Steven Spielberg was, I mean, I, Stephen King was maybe asked to be on board uh, at some maybe as a writer or something like that but there were conflicting interests between the two stevens he was never on board but yeah it's very interesting because again this one well i'm gonna go into a rabbit hole i know for sure like i'm i already bookmarked a whole bunch of pages about poultry guys about mediums about you know just how shit happens so i know i'm gonna go be in the rabbit hole for a while Okay, cool. Would you consider watching part two? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, my understanding is it's it picks up where this one leaves off. Yeah, I've, I I was just reading the little footnotes on it when we were looking at the um, you know this on Netflix, you know, and it tells mm-hmm. you the little synopsis. And on part two, it says something like the now penniless family. So I guess they're poor and don't have any money. In well, the they would one. have to be because. They Girl. can't sell that house. Yeah, they lost the house and there's no, yeah. No, and he has no job. No job, yeah. Um, unless, like, insurance. I don't know. Anyway, he would have to be. But, yeah, I would I would watch it. Yeah, I would recommend people to watch it. Um, I, 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 I highly recommend everybody watch this. I actually really love this movie. I'm so bummed that it took me so long to watch it. Yeah, I, I did um, enjoy it this time around a lot more as an adult. Um, I think maybe it scared me more as a child, just the little bits and pieces that I saw. Um, now, again, to me, the scare factor, I felt like it was just sort of like Indiana Jones kind of scares, but I liked it, though. I didn't have any problem with it. Um, and, yeah, so go see it. Let it us know what you me. think. It did get me a couple times, those jump, stair- those jump scares. Yeah, that clown especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it was awesome. Well, so that's all for us for today. Yeah. That We're was, so glad you joined us. I, yeah, definitely appreciate all the love we've been getting. We appreciate all the love. Um, for those of you who have subscribed, thank you so much. Tell a friend. Um, ra- give us a rating if you can. Leave a comment. Check out our site. You can leave comments on the site. You can email us through our site. That's icecreampodcast.com. If you sign up for the newsletter, you'll get an email when all the new episodes are up and if you don't have alerts on your phone. Um, and hit us up. Share your favorite horror movie. Let us know what you thought of this movie. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, what we got wrong because we're not experts. We just fans. Um, you can email us directly at icecreamparlor.podcast at gmail.com. And we are throughout social media. I will list the handles in the show notes. Cool. Um, yeah, that's. Um, um, so we will see you next week. We will. We'll see you next week and we'll just keep this uh, fun train rolling. Well, all right. Thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs>